good morning. Hey, one of the great things about having two services is, like, let's just say you had to stay up late last night to watch your team uh, lose a game, not get a hit, get shut out. You know, you can sleep in and then come to the second service. So again, good morning, glad you're here. <laughs> Joining us for our current teaching series called Running with the Giants. Huh? And the, the foundational scripture for this series has been Hebrews chapter 12, verse one. And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So right there, the scripture's kind of just giving us info, giving us insight to, hey, you know, life is a grind. It's difficult. There's a lot on you. Some of it's just coming on you from outside sources. Some of it is, you know, sin and poor choices that you made and you kind of brought it in there, but either way, it's just challenging. But the Bible says there's hope that you can put this aside and run with perseverance what God has called you to. And then the scripture here is also telling us that, you know what, we don't just look to within ourselves and our own lives. It's saying there are many, many that have come before you, this cloud of people that have lived out the faith in such a magnificent way, that have finished the race, and they've won. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 speaks and lists out some of these people, not only who they were and how they lived, but even how they died. And the scripture here is saying, let us look to them as examples of how they lived out their life in great faith. They ran their race, they finished, and they won. Praise be to God, they won. So John Maxwell writes a book called Running with the Giants, and he bases it on this scripture. And the theme of the book is this idea, like, okay, what if we were in a stadium and there were these grandstands, you know, crowd, and, and, and the crowd is made up of these heroes of the faith, these people who have come before us that have lived out the faith in a great way. And what if one of them, one by one, they were to come down and run a lap with us, kind of a, a lap in life, and if they could share from their experience, from their race that they ran for God and finished, what's one thing, one life principle that they could speak into our life, what would it be? Now, first week we spoke about Isaiah having an encounter with God. Second week was, was Jacob, and that was just let God give the control of your life over to God, right? And this week, we're going to be looking at a character called Jonah. Now, several years, well, I would say several years ago, who knows when, uh, sometime probably, I don't know, 15 years ago, I like to say, I think, I think when you do something that's probably questionable, you like to put it as far back into your life as possible so it makes you seem like you've matured and you're much more responsible now, right? Let's just say some time ago, uh, it was a Saturday, I know this distinctly, and I know it was earlier on in my marriage or, be, you know, kind of post-kid probably because I had a lot of time on a Saturday. Now I have no time on Saturdays. Uh, and, but that was not a good thing because when I would have time on Saturdays, I would get restless and I would just get into trouble, you know, uh, even as an adult. And so this one particular Saturday, um, I realized it was, had, that much time had passed in the day and I realized, oh, I need a haircut, church is tomorrow. I would wear a suit and tie to church on a Sunday morning, and so the hat thing wouldn't work, it would clash. Uh, I thought, wow, you know, it's gonna be hard to find a place that's open or that's available. You know, people get booked up on Saturdays. Maybe I was just trying to create a narrative in my head to justify what I was about to do. And I thought, you know, I'll, I made a decision. I made a choice. I'm gonna take matters into my own hand, hands, literally, and I'm gonna give myself a haircut. I'm gonna cut my own hair. So yeah, I'm probably somewhere in my latter 30s at this point in life, 
And uh, I go, we had clippers, and I took the clippers, and I could just feel those creative, stylish juices flowing in me, right? I'd seen this happen over and over over the years. I knew I could do this. I had watched them carefully, and I, and I took the clippers, and I, and I took the, you know, the, the posture, and I started to go, and just, it happened so quick. It's like, Shoo! and all of a sudden, I, this clump of my hair blows up and falls off my head, and there it is in the sink, a huge chunk of my hair, and, and, and it was as if, it was, if it, was like, it was like a car track, like a tire track running about from the front of my head all the way about five inches back, gone. You see like this track gone. I'm like, and I'm thinking, now, a, a better choice would have been to realize what I've done, acknowledge it, and go get help and go to a barber. But probably somewhat pride, somewhat poor choice, somewhat embarrassed, I'm like, I can fix this. And so I kept at it. Well, I gave myself a poor man's crooked is what I did. I walked out into the living room, and there's my wife. She's sitting there. She looks up, and she looks at me. She shakes her head, and she puts her head down, and she ignores me. So I, honestly, I looked like an Indian was in the process of scalping me, got a call, and had to leave, and that's what was left over when it was said and done. I mean, it was that bad. It was a hack job. Now, clearly I had made a poor decision followed by another bad decision. The Jonah, the character in the Bible that we're talking about today, he is known for uh, some bad choices. Sometimes, though, the people that have messed up the worst can teach us the most, right? We see that. Like, I've just taught you and inspired you not to cut your own hair. Hair, hair, right? Okay. Listen, now... One thing we can identify with Jonah is that we also have made bad decisions, poor choices from time to time, yes? Like that would be a bad choice, trying to get over that. I actually did that in Florida. That's another bad choice. I think I did that in New York. Yeah, I know I did that one too. <laughs> I only had one line, he's got three. That poor guy, that's another bad choice, right? So we, now some of those choices are less serious than another, less consequences like cutting your own hair. I mean, I had a pretty good sense my hair was gonna grow back, the problem would be remedied. But some of you, you might wonder, will you ever get past the poor decision you've made? Will you ever get out of where you're stuck in the middle of that bad choice? Now, if we, standing in that stadium, going back to the theme, we're standing in the stadium, we're looking up at the stands, and there we see Jonah. And Jonah comes down onto the track, comes alongside of us, and he's gonna take a lap with us. And, and as he's doing that, what's the one thing that life principle that Jonah would share with us? And I think it would be, and what we're proposing, is that Jonah would say, even though you have made some bad decisions, God is always looking to give you a second chance, yes? God is always looking to give you a second chance. You know, before God plays wipeout, and he'll do that, right? He is looking to give you a way out. God is always looking to give you a way out. From the Garden of Eden till now, God is a God of second chances. Now, let's read more about Jonah in the Bible. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked the people are. Now, the people who live in Nineveh, they're called Assyrian because Nineveh is part of Assyria, you know. 
and they are brutal people. They're, they're savages. I mean, when they take over nations, they plunder them, they murder them in horrific ways, and they are hated and despised by Jewish people, and Jonah is a Jewish prophet, a heralded man in that culture. Verse 3 says, but Jonah got up, and he went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. Tarshish. Just can't get that out well, huh? I practiced it this morning. I did okay with it this morning, and I had an idea, and it's this. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape the Lord by sailing to? Thank you. Nineveh in Jonah's day was the capital city of Assyria. Today it would be known as northern Iraq. So Jonah is getting on a ship headed to? Right, and that's kind of north. I'm sorry, that's south actually. And he's, and he's getting on a ship now that's, that's going to be going northwest. So he's virtually go northeast, actually. So Nineveh is south, Tarshish is northeast. Jonah is going in virtually the opposite direction of where God has called him to. Now, Jonah chapter 1, verses 4 through 5 says, But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. So what you're seeing here is God is following Jonah. God is pursuing Jonah. Jonah's made a bad choice, a poor decision, and yet God doesn't abandon him. God doesn't give him enough rope to hang himself, right? That's not grace. But instead, God gracefully is pursuing Jonah. I remember a time in my life, I must have been, again, you know, this really was, I know it was six or seven years into my marriage, because uh, I had a son that was two years old, and we, I had just done four years in a marriage. It was about, probably about six years into marriage, and uh, I was struggling with a decision, and it was an important one in our lives. And as I look back, I was leaning the wrong way, meaning I, I, I wasn't yielding to God. And I think how I was doing that was I was making small mini decisions that would inevitably pave the way for me to kind of justify making that one big decision, which would have been a poor decision had I kept going, right? And so God, Holy Spirit, was calling me one way. God, the Word of God, was commanding me to go the same way, and yet I was turning and beginning to go in the opposite direction. God's calling me south. I'm going north. One night, I'm sitting on my couch. I'm, I'm a bit weary. I'm a little distraught, so I think my head is hung down. And uh, my two-year-old son, Justin, at the time, he comes and he climbs up on the couch and he stands up next to me and he puts his arm around me and he says, Dad, you can't run from God. You just can't run. Just like that, right? God was pursuing me. So like Jonah got a fish with a big mouth and I had a two-year-old son with a big mouth, right? And to this day, he still has a big mouth. Not as big as his father's, but it's a pretty good-sized mouth. So listen, Jonah chapter 1, verse 5 Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their God for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. Okay, so I want to pause now, and I don't want to lose you here. That means I'm probably going to say some things that just might be a little difficult and challenging. So I just want to pray, Father, I, I'm so grateful for this moment, this time. These are your children, your people, oh God. You have drawn them here. God, Holy Spirit, Fill them with a courage right now. Bring calmness to them, but give them courage. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So Jonah decides to run from God. That's a poor choice, right? And in doing that, he's causing havoc. He's bringing crisis into other people's lives around him. Now, while this is happening, Jonah, he's chill. He's sleeping. He's taking it easy, right? Everybody else's life is being turned upside down. Whether we want to wake up to it or not, every decision we make costs something. We talked about that last week, right? And meaning if we're going to choose a poor decision, we're likely missing the benefits of a good decision. If we make a choice to change, something's got to die. I think we get that. But what a lot of us don't grasp is this. Every poor decision we make could cost someone else something. Do you hear that? The decisions we make not only affect our lives, but the lives of people around us, especially those who are closest to us, who love us. You know, you, you can only, you know, there's a saying, there's a, a thin line between love and hate, and the people who can hurt you the most are the people you love. I know the attitude can be, hey, you know, it's my life, and, you know, it, it, you know I'm not telling anybody to feel that way, and, and it's just, I'm, not, I'm not doing anything to hurt anybody. I'm fine. And, you know, I used to think like that, because I lived like this for almost 30 years. And that was my attitude. Like, you know what? I'm not bothering anybody. I'm not telling anybody to care about me. I, I, I don't know what the issue is. It's no big deal. It's, you know, you're making, it's so, you're exaggerating it. And I think the reason why I would have that attitude is because it was too painful for me to acknowledge the effect that I was having on people who loved me and who I also loved. It just was too hard to go there and acknowledge what was happening. And I think that might happen to you too. That when you're making a poor decision, or you've made a poor choice, and you know, wow, either you know because you sense it, you see it, or you've been told that this is hurting people who love me, that you can't reconcile that because it's just, you feel a pain, even when the thought of it, even to go there, the thought of it is just too painful, right? And so what do you do? So you run. You, you, you run from God. But let me tell you something. Do you know why it's painful? Because you're, you're better than that. You, there's an inherited goodness in you. You're a child of God. God's given you a conscience. God made you in his image. He breathed his spirit into you. So that's why it hurts. That's a good thing. And rather than run from that pain, you want to hold and you want to realize that just as God brought the storm into Jonah's life to stir Jonah, to wake him up to that he was leaving and going apart from God. I mean, Jonah knew that, but to, just to try and get Jonah back on track that's what God does to us. He brings this pain. It's within us to let us know, hey, you know, you're going in the wrong direction to stir us, to, to try and bring us to a greater place that he's called us to because he is calling us to a greater place than to live steeped in that poor decision, indifferent to people around us who love us. And everybody said, amen, because that's just good preaching. That's just the truth. Now, I know it hurts, you know. It does. If I was sitting where you were sitting, it would hurt. It hurts me even saying it. I'm telling you. It's not easy. Well, listen, the question you want to ask yourself today is, am I making choices that drive me closer to God or further from God? What, 
when I wake up in the morning, the way I speak to my kids, to the people who I'm living with, uh, um, when I go to work, how I handle certain situations and difficulties at work, how I handle when people say something to me that I don't like, when I face this challenge in life, my finances, all of this and everything, do I make choices in these areas that honor God, that glorify God? Am I making choices that are drawing me close to God, or am I making choices that defy God and His truth and are pulling me farther away from God? If you've made choices that have distanced you from God, you've made them, you're making them, you're in them, how do you recover from that? Well, I think the first thing is you take responsibility for your bad choice. And we see that. We see that in Jonah's case. I mean, he's made a poor decision, clearly. He's ran from God. And it's causing a crisis in the lives of people around him. The sailors are flipping out, trying to figure out what to do. They're tossing their belongings overboard. What's happening? What's going on? Let's jump in and read Jonah chapter 1, verse 6. So the captain of the ship goes down after him, Jonah. And he says, how can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, I am, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it, they groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, Jonah, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. When you make a bad choice, don't run from it. Don't hide it. Don't make an excuse for it, right? But just take responsibility for it. Jonah could have said, hey, you know what? Come on. I mean, the Assyrians, they're horrible. They're terrible people. If God called you to go there, you wouldn't want either. And by the way, as much as the, the, it's implied that the reason Jonah did not go to Assyria, he did not want to go there, was because they were brutal people and he was afraid, that's certainly a possibility. But that wasn't the primary reason that was keeping him from going. Jonah was being self-righteous. I mean, he's a, a man called by God, a Jew of Jews. He's a prophet. And here these lowly Assyrians, they're not worth spit. They're not worth anything. They're heathen. They hate God. And he's going to waste his time and go and talk to them and give them a message. And not only that, it's going to be a message about you know, him, about them wanting to be better and them knowing God. They can't know God. They're Assyrians. That's below me. They're below me. Jonah was suffering from his self-righteousness. That is not what God had called him. And the irony is that here he is in a ship with heathen, with men who worship false gods, and they're in a better state than he is. But that's what self-righteousness will do to you. It blinds you. It does you, your spirit, to the presence and the power of God in your life, to where you now think you're better than something else than someone else. And that's what's happening with Jonah. Listen. But now Jonah now comes to this moment where he sees what he's done, he sees what's happened, and he takes responsibility. He says, you know what? It's my fault. This, I brought this on you. I brought this on me. Toss me into the sea. And that rhymed. I didn't even mean for it to rhyme, but it was good. Hey, anyway, listen. 
don't make excuses. John Wooden, who passed away uh, just not too long ago, I believe, a few years back, he's a great college basketball coach. Some people think he was the greatest coach in sports of all time, and he loved God. And he says this, he says, you're not a failure until you start blaming others for your mistakes. Proverbs chapter 28, 13 says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. It's a powerful word there, mercy. That's what you receive when you take responsibility, when you turn to God in the moments of your bad decisions, poor choices, you receive mercy. I get this. Uh, you know, I, I lived a life of making poor choice after poor choice and bad choice, well up into 30. Well, right before that, I stopped for the most part. And, and I would not own up. I would not take responsibilities. I was one of those that said, hey, you know, not my problem, not my fault. Shouldn't be your issue. I don't got a problem with it. You know, I would just turn around, like if I took down your mailbox and I ran it over, I'd say, here's 100 bucks, shut up, everything's fine, no problem. I was a very arrogant person, would not own up, would not take responsibility to my mistakes, and, and certainly wouldn't own up to any pain I was causing in people's lives. And then, you know, this time came in my latter 20s where I, I came to know Jesus. I came to trust in Jesus. And this thing, mercy, became so paramount in my life. You know how you have, like, um, energy drinks, like Monsters and Red Bulls and five-hour energies and all that stuff? Well, that's kind of like what mercy is to me, you know? I mean, it's like, so today is April 22nd, right? And 24 years ago, uh, on this day, I took a young woman named Christy. I think she was still 20 years old. Are you 25 now? Something like that? Okay. She's just as beautiful as ever, and I'm just being sincere. So I took this dear woman. Yeah, you can. You, uh, Thank you for helping your pastor out. I appreciate that. And uh, I took her to New York City. And I had decided that that night, uh, I was going to ask her to marry me, ma'am. And so I took her to New York City from Connecticut. We went to uh, the Hard Rock Cafe because I really like to go to the Hard Rock Cafe. And what was cool about that is when you'd go in, they had a massive wall, like twice the size of this whole wall. And it would say in like neon letters, who do you love? And it'd be this huge quaalude, like 714 quaalude. For you older people, you get that, OK? And then there'd be a, a big dollar sign with, you know, like bills and, and change, you know, basically, you know, like money. And then there'd be a statue, a big one of Mary holding the baby Jesus. Like, who do you love, right? What, what are you going to put your life into? And, and I, I dug that. And after that, but here's what it was. I took it to uh, see the Phantom of the Opera. And, uh, you know, as we say in New York terms, I made arrangements <laughs> for us to go up on the stage when the play was over. And when the play was over... Uh, and everything was done. I took her up there. They left the lights on. They, they have the shows right there. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. I and mean, it was gorgeous. They, all the candelabras were there. The, uh, the uh, Phantom's dressing room was there. The lights were there. And there I got down on my knees and I proposed to her right there on the stage in the Majestic Theater and I asked her to marry me. She waited about 40 seconds and eventually she made a great choice and said yes. <laughs> but, but, as the night was unfolding, uh, it was coming to me. I mean, as I was driving, as we were walking around, as I was driving home that night, when I laid down that night, I just kept thinking, 
how merciful God was. When I was sitting there in a hardware cafe and I'm thinking, man, I sat in this very same place looking at this wall and I didn't love Jesus. I love that and I love this and I loved everything but Jesus. And I remember how convoluted my mind was and thinking of the choices and the way I was governing my life. But here I am tonight and I have this opportunity to just take life in, in such a beautiful way, you know, that I'm no longer stooped and living from my bad choices, but I've got what I've got this this second chance is life, God is so merciful, yes? So that's what mercy does for me. And not just that night, a year later, uh, when, to tonight, I promise you, I'll sit there to Christy and I'll have tears in my eyes and be like, God is so merciful 24 years ago. It's like it was yesterday. It's like I drank a gallon of Red Bull, you know? When I remember God's mercy in my life, that's, these are the moments that God pours into your life. These are the moments that you can cherish and hold and take forward for energy, for strength, for sustenance spiritually. As you recall God's mercy in your life, when you take responsibility, when you turn to God and move on from your poor decisions, yes? So Noah takes responsibility for his poor decision. And I want to just say one thing about this. This is what happened for me. And I believe it, it applies to you as well. You see, what I did was I stopped a cycle in my life of making poor decisions. So I would make a poor decision, a bad choice, and rather than take responsibility, own up to it, even realize what it was causing, I would ignore that only now to make another poor decision, another bad choice, and then another one, and another one. I was in a cycle of making bad choices because I wasn't getting out of that way of thinking and of living. I was steeped in it. I was steeped in it. I wasn't taking responsibility. I wasn't seeing reality. I had constructed my own reality, a distorted one. But once you step out and take responsibility, once you turn to God and turn away from your bad decision, now what's happening is you're breaking the cycle and you're creating a better reality. And that's what Jonah does. He takes responsibility for his decision. And we read in Jonah chapter 1, verse 15, then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. Okay, so here we are now. Jonah is taking responsibility, and the reward for that, he gets tossed into the sea, right? <laughs> and here he is now floating to the bottom. Life's not looking good. Things are getting worse, not, you know, better, right? In, in verse 17 of chapter 1, it says, Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. That sounds kind of like, whoa, a little prosperous, but I believe that, and for this main reason. And that's because I believe in Jesus. I believe he existed. I believe in what he said. And Jesus validates this event as it is written in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, where he says, For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man, Jesus, be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. So if Jesus says it so, it's so for me. Jesus validates it. It's good enough for me. So Jonah takes responsibility for his poor choices, and the consequences are starting to pile up. Mm. You know, that happens. When we take responsibility for that poor choice, you know, we don't evade or avoid consequences. They're generally there waiting for us. And first, you know, the, the sailors start yelling at him, and the next thing you know, he's getting thrown overboard into, a, into the sea, you know? Now, granted, at his request, listen, consequences can make you bitter or they can make you better, right? Jonah didn't get bitter. Jonah got better. Jonah cried out to God, and he had this wonderful prayer that we read of, and it's really the, encompasses the entire chapter 2 of the book of Jonah. 
I'm going to read just a couple of the verses up on top there. Jonah chapter 2, verse 1 through 2. It says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. Jonah was getting better by the moment. Huh? You see, when you, when you turn to God, you take responsibility of the consequences, and, and, and you're leaning on God now, not yourself. You're not rationalizing from your own way. You're, it's your spirit that's leading you. Now, whatever comes your way, you, you're, you're steeped in mercy and you feel it. Now, whatever comes your way, it just makes you better, not bitter. And there are several problems, by the way, with getting bitter. One great problem with getting bitter is you don't recognize God's provision. And we see this happen so much. You don't recognize that God is coming into your path and he's providing a way out. He's providing something that's going to lift you up and you're just not seeing it, right? I mean, you would think, now Jonah does see it. I mean, Jonah recognizes the whale, whale, it's veggie tail, sorry, the large creature, the fish, you can call it a whale. But, uh, he, he sees that as a provision of God because he's been getting be better, not bitter. I mean, th think about how astonishing that is. I mean, he's He's been thrown into the sea. He's cascading down to the bottom of the ocean, right? And after, I don't know, not a long time, this, I don't know, whenever this fish comes along, a, a large fish, and gulps him up. I mean, that's got to be pretty horrific, right? So like, okay, God, I acknowledge I did this. It's my fault. I take responsibility, plunk into the water. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just die a simple death right now of asphyxiation, right? But now instead, God, you love me so much that you're going to have a whale swallow me, so I'll die a slow, torturous death in his stomach, right? Things just got one from bad to worse. I mean, that's how I think I would see it. But Jonah doesn't see it that way because he has now turned to God. He's getting better. He recognizes the fish is not God's punishment. It is God's provision. Huh? You see the difference? Jonah was already praying before he got swallowed up. Sometimes people miss this. Before the whale even came, be, the, I, can't, I, didn't, I can't get the whale thing out of my head for some reason, you know? All right. Shelby, what do you think? Was it a whale or was it a big fish? Shelby says it was a whale. Okay. So the large sea creature, how's that? Before it even swallowed him up, Jonah was already talking to God. And we see that in Jonah chapter 2, verse 6 through 7. It says, I sank down. This is Jonah now. It says, I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. He's talking about going to the bottom of the ocean. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Wow. As I, as I was coming to near death because of what I had to do, the decision I made, I remembered how good God was. I remembered his mercies. All I knew was God. And I had a, Jonah had this sincere, this earnest, this sincere, honest conversation with God. How wonderful is that? How comforting is that? that that because you know Christ, should you come to know Christ today, you can have a sincere, intimate, honest conversation with God, and you can recognize how good God is, and you can see his provisions. And even, even before the provisions, as he's coming to death, Jonah, his soul is well. 
while he's in that rough place, what does Jonah do? He repents. Jonah repented. In the midst of coming to near death, Jonah repents, meaning he makes a choice to turn to God with all that he is, openly and honestly, all that is he turns to God. He now leaves his bad choice. He leaves his bad decision. He walks away from that and he turns to God. Repentance means turning away from the poor choice and the bad decisions you're making, turning away from that and going to God. And it begins within you from the depth of who you are. It's apart from circumstances, whatever is going on. Things might worsen or improve when you make that decision to repent. I have found, by and large, things do get better. But one thing does get better, you. Within the depths of who you are, you sense a peace, a closeness with God. You sense hope. You're overwhelmed with hope because you're realizing there is something that's happening in you that without question is supernatural. God is demonstrating his power and his love for you, and you get it. Jonah had a change of heart, and Jonah turned to God. Today, consider this. Your consequences might actually be your salvation. No one wants to pile up the consequences. I don't. <laughs> I prefer not, right? But God works through them to bring his ultimate plan into your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 says, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. You see, God stirred the water. He orchestrated the events to have Jonah tossed into the sea. And it looks harsh, but it was true love. Listen, what looks like God's judgment might actually be God's mercy in your life, huh? and often is. Today, you might be living in consequences from past mistakes, poor choices, that you did take responsibility for. You're like, what's up? Don't let these temporary consequences hinder you from what will come, and that is eternal rewards because you have turned to God. Don't be led away from God's abundant provisions of grace and mercy in your life. You've done something powerful. You've done something good. You've done, you've done something that you could not have done apart from God, that was God's power, almighty power working in you. And there will be rewards for that. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Wow. Let us come boldly, confidently, expectantly before God's throne. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Listen, come before God and embrace his grace. Make the good choice and say to yourself, I refuse to let bad choices define me, but I instead will come before God and have an open, honest, intimate conversation. I will turn from my bad choices and I will stand before God confidently and be showered with his grace and his mercy in my life. And this is what will define me, how I will act, how I will think, how I will govern myself is from God's mercy and God's grace poured out into my life. Listen, when it comes to bad choices, especially those that are sinful, just take responsibility. And whatever happens after that, do not become bitter. Become better. Call out to God and turn to God. Don't turn away from God's mercies. Turn away from the bad choice. See now Jonah, we've come towards the end. Jonah's not running from God anymore. Not physically, not spiritually. 
He has turned to God. We read in Jonah chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, it says, Jonah writes, those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Jonah is saying, you know what? I have made a poor choice, and I won't pay for my poor choice. But that said, I will make good on my promise to serve you and to obey you. I embrace your mercy, my God, I do. And I know it covers all of me and all I've done, and it leads me to salvation that is found in you and you alone. Acts chapter three, verse 19 says, now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. Wow. Don't get stuck at the bottom of the ocean. Don't get stuck in despair. God has you a time of refreshment, a time of dwelling in his presence uh, and taking in that forgiveness and that mercy where your sins are wiped out and you are refreshed. See what Jonah says in chapter 1, verse 10. It says this, Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. It just sounds yucky. It just does. It sounds gross, doesn't it? I mean, getting vomited up by a large fish onto a sandy beach just doesn't sound refreshing, does it? But I'm sure for Jonah it was incredibly refreshing, right? Because perspective is everything. And so back to where we started in our message, when Jonah came down out of the stands and came alongside of us, and he's running along, he's doing the lap, and we're coming to the end of the lap, and, you know, we're talking, and maybe he's saying, and he's talking to us about this time where, you know, he got swallowed by the fish, and he got spit up, vomited up. And he's saying, yeah, you know what? Actually, it was just disgusting. It was, an, it was awful. He said, but at the same time, it was awesome. It was awesome. He said, because God gave me a second chance. And he smiles. He starts to walk off the track, and he says, hey, remember, remember one thing. God is always looking to give you a second chance. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we come to you today with confidence, knowing that you are a God that pours out your mercy and grace to us right now. We just pause, oh God, and we just take in that promise. We just acknowledge your mercy being poured into the lives of people in here this morning. Lord, that your grace comes upon them, O oh God, and they are truly empowered and filled with hope, O oh God. Lord, we thank you that you are a God of second chances, O oh God. And I pray that right now they would just wait on you, O oh God. They would take that promise in and that whatever it is they need to do, O oh God, empowered by you, they would turn away from the poor choices. They would abandon the bad decisions, O oh God, those they've made in any they're in right now, and they would turn to you, God, enthusiastically, expectantly, they would turn to you knowing what you have for them. And whatever happened to them, oh God, that they not get bitter but better, knowing that you are working in their life because they have turned to you and trusted in you. And God, for the one who came in here today who did not know you as God, who did not trust you, who doesn't know what it is or ever thought what it was to, to have confidence in you and to turn to you, but right now you are drawing them to you they are turning to you. You are stirring their hearts, oh God. 
You are empowering them with a confidence of your existence, O oh God, that right now they would call out to you, I need you, God, and I want you, and I believe in Jesus, that he gave his life on the cross for me, and that because of that, my sins are forgiven. They are washed away, and I am refreshed this morning, and I have life, and life abundantly, and I'm going to trust in that truth, that Jesus gave his life for me, and I'm going to dwell in my sins are forgiven, and I'm going to be filled with hope, and I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen.